Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's the final regular season Fizzcast. Uh, that's that's hard to believe. Ian Unsworth alongside John Eads. John, we've been doing this for like, what, five months now? Yeah. Five months of both Syracuse football. Oh, gosh, we slogged through that football season. And now basketball where it's it's looking pretty grim as well. But, hey, as always, we're here to preview Syracuse's games of the week. North Carolina on Monday, 7 p.m. tip at the Carrier Dome. That's a nationally televised game on ESPN. Let's hope Jay Billis isn't on the call. Uh, and then... On Wednesday, 5 p.m. tip, strange time. So right when you get off work, tune in to Syracuse and Clemson, also at the Dome on ACC Network. So two teams that Syracuse has played before, but two teams that they lost to. I mean, it, it, it's revenge time at this point because you're not really playing for a tournament spot. Yep, and uh, definitely a disappointing week this past week. Syracuse lost to both Duke and Georgia Tech. At least they were... Somewhat competitive against the Yellow Jacks. Strangely somewhat competitive, let's be honest. That game against the Blue Devils was just a complete waste of two hours of my life. Plus, I had to write the recap story, which was brutal. But, new week. Syracuse now 13-8, and 7-7 and seven in conference. And like Ian said, I don't know how much there is to play for because unless Syracuse rips out some kind of crazy run, I don't think they're making the tournament. But, you know, there's always going to be those um, to, the, to the final straw backers that are going to say, no, they can get in. They can get in. But... Whatever the case, uh, two games this week against North Carolina and Clemson, like Ian said, and two teams Syracuse has lost to, and both in different ways. One, uh, one Syracuse got out-rebounded, absolutely dominated in the paint, Ian, and then the other game, Clemson just kind of just got ran off the floor. I mean, a really talented Tigers team there. But let's start with the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels and the offensive rebounding juggernaut that is North Carolina. Roy Williams just won his 900th career game. That is an accomplishment. That dude's been absolutely going hard ever since his Kansas days in the early 90s. But last Saturday, got his 900th career win against Florida State of all teams. The ACC makes no sense this year. And the fact that Florida State went to North Carolina, which had just lost to Marquette by double digits, a game that they scheduled early. Like, UNC just scheduled Marquette. Out of nowhere, they were like, oh, we picked this game up. And then they lost 83-70. to And then North Carolina flips itself on its head and beats Florida State, 78-70. to And it didn't really matter for the Seminoles because they're still in the top spot in the ACC. But for North Carolina, you lose that game to Florida State, and it's, it's a rough go. Like, that, that really drops your ACC tournament seeding. You know, people are starting to look at you again like, wait, what the heck? Like, what's wrong with North Carolina? Because before then, they were on a hot streak, won a couple games in a row. But now North Carolina seems to have their mojo flowing. It's not anarchy. It's just college basketball. Good words. All right, thanks, thanks Rothstein. Rothstein. Yeah, another Rothsteinism. But, uh, yeah, really a weird week. But if there's... If, if there's one thing this North Carolina team does, it's rebound the basketball. And that's what makes them a good team, Ian. They have an identity, they stick to it, and you see it every night. As for Syracuse, season's almost over. I don't even know what their identity is. It's just, you know, can you tell me? I don't know what it is. It's taking threes five seconds into the shot clock. I think that's about it. Either that or playing the 6'9 Eastern European in the middle. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm pulling those out of my back pocket. Those are those aren't exactly stuff that Coach Bayheim has established in his pressers. The only thing he's really established is that the forwards aren't playing defense, which I'd agree with, and that the young centers aren't ready, which honestly at this point, I don't care, Jim. Put them on the floor. Last game out, North Carolina won. Well, last time North Carolina played Syracuse, UNC won 81 to 75, out rebounded Syracuse 48 to 31. Doubled them up in points in the paint and second chance points. That's generous. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very generous. The Tar Heels had 16 offensive rebounds in the second half and clinched the game on not one but two offensive rebounds. The first coming off a missed free throw. I mean, UNC didn't play well offensively, but they gave Syracuse what I like to call the Andre Drummond special. If Okay, let me explain this because this is kind of a far-out reference. Andre Drummond plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers and he used to play for the Detroit Pistons. On the Pistons, Andre Drummond would have games where he would have 20 points and 20 rebounds. And people would go, holy crap, this dude's a st- statistical marvel. But his 2020 games were him missing his own shots and getting his own rebounds, putting them back in. That's kind of what UNC does. All of their offensive rebounds against Syracuse were second-chance points. Well, duh, they're second-chance points. But they were so easy. They were just simple putbacks. Well, it's not that hard when you have the size advantage with basically four players on the floor at one time. And they dominated in there. And I'm really surprised. I guess when I was watching the game, Syracuse, I thought they played well. They they did what they could. Obviously, you're going to give up size. Obviously, you're going to lose the rebounding battle. North Carolina rebounds better than anybody in the ACC, and that was evident. Almost in the nation and offensively. Right. In the nation. Actually, they are tops in the uh, in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage so like on 40 40 percent of possessions they'll get an offensive rebound that's what that's saying so yeah um you know that's what they do well you you knew that coming in Syracuse I thought did what you know, they shot the ball well they did what they could have done offensively to try to win this game and it was a winnable game like Ian said there were a couple just key plays key boards that North Carolina got and then they got to the free throw line quite a bit as well and converted there but other than that it was a winnable game for Syracuse but here's the thing North Carolina shot 39% from the floor, 20% from three, and they still won. So I don't think that's going to happen again. It's, I don't know. That's just my it two was, cents. It was, a, it was a pretty quintessential Syracuse performance, I would say. Alan Griffin had he got hot early and then kind of disappeared. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Buddy Bayheim scored 18 points in the first half and zero in the second. Um, I mean, I guess, like, Buddy's had two good games and then didn't, show, didn't really show up against Georgia Tech, so... I don't even know. Put a put a flyer out. Put an APB out. Quincy Garrier had 23 and 11, but still fouled. He fouled out, and once Garrier fouled out, you could chalk it up. Um, and then Joe Girard had six points, and pretty much you could tell that Kadari Richmond was better suited to be on the floor against the Tar Heels. So that being said, here's our fizz factoid because we just talked about that last Syracuse loss to UNC. The Tar Heels have won 10 out of the last 11 against Syracuse. Not not great, and honestly, John, it might be 11 out of the last 12 after tomorrow night. I just I can't point to a reason why Syracuse would win this game. Like I said, they have no identity. They're going to get destroyed in the rebounding battle, and I don't think North Carolina could shoot any worse than they did in the first matchup. Yeah, I mean, throwing the ball down low is just easy success. We saw Georgia Tech, a team with Moses Wright, who is— He's a good big man. He's really good. His motor's really high. But Moses Wright had, I would say, a majority 
of Moses Wright's buckets, all he had to do was cast catch a power catch a bounce pass and dunk the ball or lay it in. Like Moses Wright was doing stuff that most high school basketball players could do. Probably, you know, the average dad, if you threw them on the floor, could catch a bounce pass and lay it in. Maybe, you know, bending over to grab the bounce pass might be a struggle, but the average dad could do such a thing. And you don't have average dads for UNC on the floor. You have guys that are going to go play in the pros. So it's going to be rough for Syracuse. If you don't know the names already, you're probably going to learn them on Monday, but North Carolina's four big men, Armando Baycott, who had 15 and 12 in the first meeting, Garrison Brooks, 26 and 14 in last year's win for UNC at the Dome, Dayron Sharp, who is a projected top 15 lottery pick, and oh, by the way, Walker Kessler, who really hasn't played much all year, but decided to drop 20 on 9 of 10 from the field against Florida State. They are all 6 foot 10 or taller, and they all outweigh Marek Dolajai by at least 20 pounds. It's fine. Everything's fine. Cue the dog gif with the fire around him. <laughs> I just I see uh, it I see it at least once a game on Twitter. Yeah, and um, you mentioned Sharp, Baycott, and Brooks. All three of those guys are in the top eleven in rebounding in the ACC. It's just North Carolina basketball. One word to describe this team: rebound. That's it. UNC always has quality bigs. Roy Williams makes a living off of just getting quality dudes that will run up and down the floor. The only way Syracuse really wins is if one, they get the bigs in foul trouble and if the guards just... They have so many. Yeah, that's the real issue. And if the, the guards are going to miss, and that's just a fact of life for UNC. Neither Caleb Love nor R.J. Davis, their freshman backcourt, has been that great. I mean, Kerwin Walton's come in, and he's he's more of a shooter than Love or Davis is, so that's helped kind of spread the floor for a little bit for the Tar Heels. But still, Love and Davis have underperformed, I would say. Love had a great game against Duke, but regardless, you know, that's that's a flash in the pan, I would say. But it really doesn't matter. It really does not matter because the bigs are just too good for Syracuse. I, one, I have you... One thing... Sorry, sorry. To, oh, uh, go ahead. I, I was going to give my score prediction, so get get your point. Let me just... Let me just, let me just, let me just I guess put the counter, counter argument in there. Uh, North Carolina does struggle to hold on to the basketball. They only turned it over 11 times, I think, against uh, Syracuse in the first meeting. They, they turned it over 21 times against Florida State and won. Right. So, and and Syracuse actually turned it over more than North Carolina in the first matchup. So, they have, their, their turnover margin is 14th in the ACC, which is penultimate. Next to last? Next to last. Uh, negative one per game. So, I think if Syracuse, the way you got to enter this game if you're Syracuse, if you're Jim Beheim, this is why you get paid the big bucks. Obviously, everyone knows you're going to lose this game, but you got to come up with a plan to give your team the best chance to win. And I think that is to kind of slump in defensively, keep guys inside. If North Carolina is going to beat you, it's going to be from the outside. It's going to be from shooting well, which they don't do. So I think you got to force them to shoot the ball. You got to force Caleb Love to shoot the ball, force feed that, and then see what happens. If you guys more, if you got, if you have guys more slumped in defensively, gives you a better chance to have more bodies on the rebound. So, so you're packing the paint. Right. You're packing the paint. You're parking the bus. You're leaving everybody open from outside. Not like open, open, but like no, you're you're encouraged. Hey, hey, if you want the three, go ahead and shoot it. Go ahead and shoot it. I under, I, under, I understand what you're saying, and I mean Syracuse kind of just kind of gives those looks up regardless sometimes. So, I, I, bro, I don't know, John. Even if you pack the paint, that's look. North. This is not a good matchup for Syracuse. I'm just trying, like. 
This is this is all on the recruiting. It was talked extent. We've talked about this extensively. This is all on the recruiting. It's all coming to fruition. There's nothing you could do now. So you just got to come up with a plan that'll give you the best chance to win. I, I'd say that's what that is, and it's not a great plan. And that just speaks volumes to the roster and the the, the depletion down low. Yeah. Same same things. Just talking about them. So we're beating a dead horse. That's yeah. Let's see Jesse Edwards play 25 minutes against UNC. I'm all for it. I have the Tar Heels winning this game by probably double digits. I would say 8 to 10 is a fair margin. I'm going to go 78-68 UNC. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go... I think 8 to 10 is a good sweet spot. I'm going to go um, 75-68. All right. I think we're both in the same boat. Syracuse is probably dropping tomorrow night's game against the Tar Heels or tonight's game, depending on when you guys are listening. Next up for the Orange is Clemson. Uh, it'll be in the Dome, 5 p.m., as I said earlier. Ken Palm gives Syracuse a, what, 51% chance to win? Was that was that correct? I don't really know why. FPI, which, as you all know, we dislike. It's it's an absolute mockery of the sport. 60% chance for Syracuse. I don't know, dude. I don't think analytics people watch, watch games. It's all just computers and numbers. But, like, because they're even better. Oh, they're, Clemson is cooking. Clemson is absolutely riding the gravy train right now. They're on a five-game win streak. I think the the padlock stat, as you like to call it, or at least the key number for Clemson going on this win streak, opponents haven't shot over 40% from three since January 23rd against the Tigers, and that was a Florida State team that absolutely blew them out that game. That's Florida State, too. Yeah, it's Florida State where you have nine or ten different dudes that can get you a bucket Syracuse obviously does not have that and the Orange just haven't shot the ball well from behind the arc this year and I would not expect it to change against Clemson and the thing with Clemson as well and this goes back to the first matchup it's not like guys are just clanking threes left and right Clemson doesn't let you get open to get those threes. I mean, the only good look Syracuse is going to get in this game is a Gerard off-balance huck or a Buddy Bayheim runner. That's They play so well man-to-man, it's just sticky. It's blanket coverage. I'd love to have these Clemson players playing DB at Syracuse. You just have no time to get your hands free to shoot. You think Dino Babers should be crooting these Tigers these Tigers guards? Well, I, I'd say they've done pretty well developing corners, but, um, you know. Well, hey, I mean, didn't Dino? Dino just picked up another defensive back in the transfer portal from New Mexico State. We can talk about that down the road, but back to Clemson. <laughs> we ended up talking about football. Ah, of course. I mean, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. We 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 said during the football season that oh my gosh, we can't wait for basketball. We can't wait. I was itching to talk to talk basketball and yeah, I mean, hey, the Syracuse women's lacrosse team, right? Let's go. Absolute, absolute dynamic performances against Stony Brook without its best player, Emily Harris Chuck and Loyola. However, that's another conversation for another time once they're in the Final Four. All right. For the second time, let's bring it back to Clemson. Clemson scoring 65.5 points as a team. They're allowing 61. And in their last game against Miami, they they pretty much stuck to those averages. A 66-58 win over a Hurricanes team that's completely depleted at this point. Um, Amir Sims and Alamir Dawes both had 19 points. And as a team, Clemson was 49% from the field and 50% from three. It's a Tiger offense that obviously is not high scoring. They play slow, but they're efficient. And we saw that against Syracuse too. Clemson took advantage of the good looks they got. 
Yeah. And uh, another thing about Clemson is they rotate so many guys in and out, fresh bodies, that it's kind of just different guys stepping up at different times. I mean, we talked about Clyde Trapp coming into this game, how big of an impact he would have. Coming into the first game, that is. First game, first game. He had two points. It was Nick Honor that stole the show. Obviously, Amir Sims, a known commodity. Nick Honor, 15 points in that first matchup. All five of them, all five of the shots he made were threes. Yeah, he was braining them from the first in the first half, and some deep ones too. Yeah. Like no regard for human life kind of pulls. But Nick Honor is not the only shooter Clemson has. Dawes got hot last game from three. Alex Hemingway shooting thirty eight percent, and he had a he had went four for four a couple games ago. Hunter Tyson can also stroke them, as you said, John. Just the fact that Clemson has so many bodies. You never know who's going to get hot on a given night. And for Clemson, getting hot doesn't mean hitting 7 for 11 like it means for Buddy Bayheim or Joe Girard. Getting hot means you go 4 for 4. You go 3 for 5. But they're still the big shots that Clemson needs because for Clemson, it's sort of kind of like, think of like a mini Virginia. For Clemson, you have a 3-point lead. It feels like 7. You have a 5-point lead. It feels like double digits. Uh, the, the whole thing this year for Clemson has been, can you find the offense? The defense has been there every single game. It's unbelievable. One of the best defensive units in the nation. What's the what's their Ken Palm efficiency? I know I had it in here. 11th. So they give up 89.4 points per 100 possessions. Some teams give that up in one game, and 100 possessions is basically like one and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the thing for them is could they find the offense? Could they shoot the ball well against Syracuse? They did, and they've been doing it very well lately. So this is really this is a dangerous team. I don't know if this is a team you want to meet come ACC tournament time. It depends on what your team is built like, I would say. If you're a run-and-gun team like Notre Dame, sure, this might be it for you because you just want to beat them down the floor and jack shots. If you're a slower team like a Louisville or, say, a Virginia Tech, Clemson's going to be trouble. And I think Clemson's going to be trouble for Syracuse as well. I don't think we're going to see Syracuse put up something like they did in the first matchup where they shoot under 20%. 12% in the first half. Yeah. They scored 19 points, and, and most of those were free throws. Yeah. I think you or I could – Media Cup, I mean, we could probably we'll, – we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens in the Media Cup. Um, but, yeah, if Syracuse can't shoot above – 25% from the field against Clemson for a, you know the second second time around, I really doubt the product that's going on the floor. That's that's not only a a failure at, by the players. I mean the first that the first game I could say was a failure by the players maybe. But if you if you come out and put up two stinkers of offensive performances against Clemson, that's that's a whole that's a whole organizational failure. And I remember this is the matchup I most wanted to see again because I think it could do Syracuse a good justice to, I guess, kind of see where they are a couple games later, see you know how much improvement they can make against just this team because that was awful. If they if they could play like they did in the second half of that game for the entire entire forty minutes, I, I think it would be a much more competitive ball game. The one thing you got to look out for here is the battle between Amir Sims and Quincy Garrier. They went into the first matchup tied for the most double-doubles in the ACC, and Amir Sims dominated that matchup. I think Garrier had, what, eight points and six rebounds that entire contest? Eight and six. He was 3-11 from the field. We've seen a lot of, like, three of 12 and, like, not low shooting performances from Garrier as of late. He's got to finish better inside. I think that's the big thing. So uh, he, Yeah, he doesn't make his layups. He, that dude misses a lot of easy finishes. And that's one reason why I don't think he's he's ready for the NBA just yet. 
But yeah, John, you mentioned the second half. Syracuse scored 42 points and compared to 19 in the first half. But I really just think Clemson took their foot off the gas. They were playing dudes all like way deep from their bench. Joe Girard caught fire for no Hero ball. obvious reason. Yeah, he finished with 19, but it was, I would say, the least important 19-point performance of the season. <laughs> of course. Only time he could do anything of, uh, well, you know, just uh, he's just so Jekyll and Hyde. It's been a Jekyll and Hyde season for Syracuse. For score predictions, I'm going to, unfortunately, unfortunately, have the Orange going 0-2 this week. I just don't think Syracuse can put up a competent offensive performance for 40 minutes. I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't know if Syracuse gets 60. If they get 60, Clemson is probably going to be shooting the lights out because they'll be moving up and down the floor and it'll be quick, quick, 3-3-3. I'm taking the Tigers. I think it, it'll be closer. I would really hope it's closer, but I'm taking Clemson 66-60. to 60. I really think this is a game Syracuse could put up more of a fight in. I think it could play out like the women's game did today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening, between the women's team Syracuse and NC State, where it was competitive to the final uh, couple minutes, and then NC State kind of pulled away. I think, uh, I think Clemson pulls it out in the end. Uh, low scoring, like you said. I don't think they'll shoot the ball well, and I think Syracuse will, again, struggle to score. Um I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 59. 50. Has Syracuse been held to under 60 this season? Yes. Let's see. It was. They had 60 against Pitt in the game that they lost when Pitt made that massive comeback. Virginia. Duke. Virginia held them to 58. No, they had 71 against Duke. Virginia held them to 58 points. And as I said earlier. Clemson has that mini Virginia potential. If Syracuse loses both of these games, they have the potential, and this this sounds pretty bad. I mean, well, it's 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 dire straits at this point. But Syracuse right now is tenth in the ACC, and they if they have the potential, if Notre Dame picks up a win, Syracuse could drop to twelfth if Pitt wins as well. That's bad. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Notre Dame and Pitt winning is obviously out of the Orange's hands. That's just something where you kind of score watch and pray something goes sideways for those two teams. If Syracuse picks up a win, they would be tied against NC State, and I'm pretty sure they have that head. They will. I am sure they have those head-to-head two wins against the Wolfpack. So that would catapult the Orange up into the nine spot. But right now, Syracuse sitting at ten in the ACC standings. If the season ended today. I got it right here. I, I like it if they finish 10. Obviously, 10, that, that's terrible. Like, this is Syracuse. Come on, guys. You shouldn't be finishing in the lower third of the conference. You shouldn't be playing in the first round of the tournament. Right. But any if you could stay on the lower half of the bracket and play a two or a three seed instead of, you know, obviously the top one of the four. Um, if Syracuse, if the season was four to end today, Syracuse is 10th, like you said, so they would play Miami. I think we could chalk that up as a win. I think. I'd know, really hope, I hope so. so. Um, they would move on and play the seventh seed, which is Georgia Tech. And I think that it was a competitive game. I think I think that one could go back and forth again. Syracuse didn't play very well. And then the number two seed, Virginia. So obviously you don't like that, but Virginia is tied with Florida State right now. So who would you rather play, I guess, Virginia or Florida State in the ACC tournament? We never got a Florida State game. That's right. That's right. So that's a really tough judgment to make. 
I would say Virginia, though, because Virginia has potential to go cold offensively. They obviously didn't against Syracuse, but they were in a hot run of form at that point, and they've dropped off and sort of come back to level. Virginia putting up 80 every game is not the norm. It is not the norm for Tony Bennett. He'll take it, though. He'll, oh, I would certainly take it. But Virginia's offense has the chance to be stagnant. I, I don't want to face Florida State. I've been calling Florida State the best team in the ACC for a while. There's just too many weapons on that team, too many bodies to throw at Syracuse. If there's some way the Orange can stop Jay Huff, hey, maybe something could go right. But that's way far in the future. you got to worry about Moses Wright first. I mean, don't look past Miami either. I mean, I know they played like crap against Syracuse in the first game, but they got – I mean, they've, they've been competitive this season. Uh, I know Jim Laranega, you said, was happy they're at least – what trying yeah he said oh we're, we're happy we're at least being competitive Miami's really gone through it this year no Chris likes for the whole year with a left ankle issue Harlan Beverly John's a, a former classmate has been in and out of the lineup with a back issue um, and it's really just the Isaiah Wong show if Isaiah Wong starts stroking it look out it's the Hurricanes and they're on your head but if he was missing like he was against Syracuse and Jesse Edwards comes off the bench and plays well Syracuse will at least make it to Wednesday. Let me throw you a curveball here before we cut. And Ian and I are going to do some kind of ACC tournament preview, maybe give you guys a bracket just for fun. Virginia Tech is in third right now, but I believe they're tied with Florida State because Florida State's 10-3, and three, Virginia Tech 9-4. and four. No, they're what, a game, one game behind. Virginia and Virginia Tech are both a game behind Florida State. So what if Virginia Tech were to hop up into that two-seed? That would be big. For, I don't know if it's going to happen, but Syracuse played very well against VT the first matchup. I mean, I think that's be, that'd be the most favorable outcome if they were to get up to number two. It's obviously going to be tough because Virginia is, um, it looks like, two games ahead of them. The thing with Virginia Tech is it's all about the three-point shooting. Virginia has two games against Miami and Louisville, which are games they should obviously win. And if the Cavaliers win those two, Virginia Tech has no chance of moving. Tech, let's see. Do they have any more games? They have two against Louisville and NC State. Those should be wins for the Hokies. I Right now, I see this staying level. If something wacky happens and Virginia drops a game, I like Syracuse's matchup against Virginia Tech. The zone really yeah. stifled yeah. the Hokies last time. They, they got the ball inside, but they weren't doing it consistently, and their shooters were missing. So that's, that's a positive sign. Eh, I don't know, though. Like, There's just this this force, this feeling inside me where I don't see any team in the ACC doing the same thing twice. The conference has been so inconsistent this year, so just so much parity, but it's not good parity. It's like, it's inconsistency. It's a, you know, the blob. It's, I'm going to call it inconsistency. I think that's the best word to describe it. Virginia Tech is, could get hot. And once Jalen Cohn gets hot, you're not stopping him. So, I don't really know. I think it's just tough to see Syracuse matching up against any team with a competent big man and playing well. And Kebe Aluma didn't play well against Syracuse first time out. He could have a great game, and it's down the tubes. Again, it just goes back to this team has no identity. You really have no idea how any game is going to play out. Like, North Carolina, you know, more often than not, they're going to come in, they're going to get some rebounds, they're going to get some points in the paint. Now it's a question of can they shoot the ball. And, you know, this could be said about any team. With Syracuse, I seriously – and it's same with last year. 
I really had no idea what was going to happen any night. You knew well, Elijah Hughes that, would get 20. That, that that's that was their team identity. It was, right. let's give it to Elijah Hughes and cross our fingers. But that's, but that's not going to work against the good – he's one player. He's a spectacular player. He's in the NBA. But it's just, it's just frustrating because you look at teams like Michigan, you know, they're so deep. They come in. They're the hottest team in college basketball right now. They could very well win the. All right, we got to stop comparing Syracuse to Michigan just because we're from Michigan. Let's let's kind of let's try to think of a better comparison as we're we're gonna wind it down here in the Fizzcast. Let's let's last but not least let's let's compare Syracuse. How about this, Indiana? Indiana, great basketball legacy, obviously, but the program is on the decline, and I wouldn't say for the same reasons as Syracuse. But it's it's sort of in that same vein. Obviously, there's been there have been coaching changes at Indiana. Tom Crean came and went. Archie Miller's now there from Dayton, um, and Jim Beheim stuck around for the long, 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 long haul. But Indiana's in this sort of same position. They get out recruited, right in their own area. Purdue gets the better prospects from Indiana, and when Indiana gets Indiana players, it's just not enough. Syracuse can get one star player. They get a Kadari Richmond, right? Like, say, Indiana picks up guard Christian Lander, who's a who's a four-star, one of the best prospects in the class of 2021, reclassified to come to college, and they, they kind of get drowned out on the bench. It's it was the same. It's the same sort of scenario. And Quincy Garrier may be comparable to Trace Jackson Davis, who's probably going to be an All Big Ten big man. Put they put up the same sort of numbers, play a very similar style inside-out big. But other than that, just the talent around them, I would say, is very similar. And the fact that it's lacking. And it's, it's like you said, these are schools that are perennial powers. They're, they're, they, these could be blue bloods. I would say Indiana, before 2005, was a blue blood in the basketball world. And I would say Syracuse, before 2014-15, well, they made the final— the, the, they made the run. Still, though, that was a very mediocre year. Yeah, before. they made the run in 2016 to the Elite Eight, but it was it was kind of out of the blue. Right. So both of these programs are really really just looking for an identity, yeah. I would say. And it's it starts with recruiting. It really does. It starts with recruiting, and maybe it's Brandon Huntley Huntley Hatfield. Maybe that's Syracuse's next big. That's a big roll of the dice for Jim Beheim, seeing that Syracuse offered him late. And he is, you know, he's got a lot of schools in the South pursuing him, including Auburn. And, you know, Bruce Pearl's throwing that bag around. But, hey, uh, we that's enough pontificating for us here on the FizzCast. For John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth. Thank you so much for listening, and go Orange. <laughs>